0: Welcome to The Mortgage Life, a space for down-to-earth conversations about how mortgages contribute to your life.
1: Well, that sounds canned and maybe a little boring.
2: What? There are so many parts to the mortgage industry and real estate finance we can explore and share with our listeners. Okay, you're right. You're right, Mindy. Our goal is
1: to help secure our clients' financial future.
0: I'm Pete Salamosi.
1: I'm Mindy Bodwin, And I'm Sue Salamosi. We're your hosts. Welcome to The Mortgage Life. Our topic today is down payment. It's such a huge topic. <laughs> we probably should have like narrowed it down and made it a series. I don't know. There's so much to say when it comes to down payment.
2: It seems like such a simple thing as well. But as I was reading through the notes, I thought, hmm, there's a lot here. Yeah. There is a lot.
0: I'm going to start with a why, which is why don't we need down payments for most simple things? Like if you're going to the grocery store and buying bananas.
2: Well, a banana costs a dollar. or maybe three dollars these days i don't even know what one banana costs
0: organic ones
2: (laughs) bananas are like the one thing in the grocery store that haven't really gone up in price have you guys noticed that no yeah pete does the shopping and i'm terrible at looking at
0: (laughs) yes sue does not look at the price per milliliter or the price per unit i'm always like hang on it's cheaper to buy this one
2: yeah (laughs) especially when you're buying steaks
0: Exactly. (laughs) So the reason that we don't have a down payments for smaller items is because typically we can pay for those for the full price. Like we can pay for the entire thing. Whereas when we get to something that's fairly large, like a car, or in our case, when we're talking about homes, most people don't have the full price. They don't have the entire amount of that purchase price saved up.
2: Right. And so then the other part of the why is why is it required So we can answer that question by looking at a time when it wasn't required. So back in 2006, a mortgage product was introduced that allowed clients to get 100% financing. So meaning they didn't require a down payment at all. This may sound kind of cool that you could borrow 100% of the purchase price, but the mortgage default insurance premium would be added on top of that. So right off the bat, you owe more on your mortgage than your house is worth.
0: We call
1: that being upside down on your financing. And interesting, that's right around the time that I started as a mortgage broker in 2007. So that first year of my career, we had access to 100% financing. I did one one 100% financing mortgage. And even at my green young age, I I knew something was wrong. Like, I don't, think that seems like a lot of money to borrow against a house, especially when you're removing the down payment so that you're removing. Basically, it's like an equity injection, right? Your down payment right away becomes the equity that you have in your home. So you have none. You just owe money on this giant asset.
0: I like to call it having your own skin in the game, right? Like when you don't have an obligation to something, if you haven't put your own money into it as that purchaser, you really feel like there's no obligation to bail. And when you're upside down on a mortgage, then that risk is fairly high for the lenders. So in fairly short order, that policy was removed. It was gone. <laughs> By 2008? Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah. However, as we can recall, that wasn't the case in the United States and we all knew what happened after that, right? Well, that's, so, when, the, that's when the whole yes.
0: crazy yeah crazy bananas thing happened.
1: It was bananas. I I'm just I'm bringing the conversation back to the
2: grocery store. <laughs> back to bananas. the affordable banana. <laughs> yep. So, okay. down payment. We're looking to buy a house, we're thinking how much should we qualify for? How much of a down payment is required?
0: So at bare minimum, if you're buying a house that you're going to live in, then the minimum down payment is 5% and it's actually 5% on the first 500,000 purchase price. As soon as your purchase price goes above 500,000, it's 10% on the amount above. And then if you get a house that's over a million dollars, which is really possible in a lot of spots in BC, then above a million, it's actually 20% on the whole amount.
1: Uh, Generally speaking, generally speaking, right? I just wanted to comment that that $500,000 threshold for the 5% down payment is harder and harder. I mean, not harder and harder. I don't think that's the right word. It's less likely to happen. We have more houses being sold that are more than $500,000.
2: And we've got more houses over the million dollar mark, which actually has the sliding scale. So that's that part where the down payment requirements may be 35 or 65 or, you know, so in that case, as soon as you're looking at purchasing over a million, especially if it's in a smaller market, you want to check with your broker on that specific scenario. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. And I was speaking about houses that you're going to live in. So owner occupied is the the kind of industry speak for that. If you're buying something that you're going to rent out, so check out our rental series, rentals and mortgages. But if you're buying something that is a rental, your down payment is actually much higher. It's 20% or more depending on the property you're buying.
2: And then there's another thing that we didn't include, but just popped into my mind is land. If you're buying land, bare land without a house on it, the down payment required is typically 35 to 45%, depending on if it's serviced or not.
1: That's, I was going to say, that's a small window, 20, 25 to 50, if yep. you really want to stretch those limits. But like yeah. you said, if it's not serviced.
0: And by that, we mean utilities. So sewer, water, sewer. water electrical.
1: Interesting. Yep. We were talking about properties in Cranbrook the other day. We were there visiting some friends we were talking about how there are some lots that are being sold in a development or that are only partially serviced. Like they have to have septic added still. That changes the whole structure of the down payment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's very interesting. So down payments, as Mindy said, can be varied and it really depends on your specific case. So check with your broker, but we know at bare minimum, it could be as low as 5% where it could be as high as 50.
1: Yeah. So we're talking about the size of the down payment. I want to talk about where the down payment, or the source of the down payment, where does this down payment come from? And I want to go back and listen to one of our first episodes this year that where we talked about saving for a down payment. We kind of touched on some of these topics. What do we look at when we look at down payment sources?
2: Yeah. So these are the legit down payment sources. What's the word? The uh, traditional. Verifiable? Tra- traditional. Tra- traditional, verifiable. What's the buzzword today? <laughs> yeah. Go on to CMHC's website and see their list of allowable down payment. It's basically your own resources, which would be your savings, a gift from an immediate family member, think going vertically up or down the family tree, pulling equity out of an existing property that you own that you're obviously not selling at at that moment. So those are sort of the three main ways of coming up with our traditional down payment. You
1: could also sell the You could be selling that property and use the proceeds from the sale.
2: Yeah, that's right. I was thinking as you're, if you're pulling equity out. Yes.
1: Yeah. That's another I, transaction. Mm-hmm. I guess it would, it would
2: depend on the timing, but yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. I'm doing one of those right now where we're porting yeah. the existing mortgage. So essentially those proceeds, when the place, the condo sells, the, the down payment will come from the proceeds of the sale and then the, mm-hmm. the mortgage will move to the new property.
0: So you mentioned traditional. What What about non-traditional? What the heck is non-traditional?
2: Well, a non-traditional down payment is a borrowed down payment. So some of you may be thinking, hey, doesn't that mean that it's a 100% mortgage? And weren't you guys just saying that that's a bad thing? <laughs> so I feel like lenders with this particular borrowed down payment option seem to change their policies quite often. Sometimes they'll allow it, sometimes they won't. And quite often it depends on what the insurer will allow But technically speaking, with some lenders, you can borrow like 5% equity for the down payment. Very limited capacity. Don't rely on this, but it exists. But
1: it's not, you still have to have 5% of your own funds into the game. So you can just add to your down payment. By borrowing from another source. And I think it's less risky. Lenders might look at that as slightly less risky because you're not borrowing, you're not putting all your eggs in one basket. You're not borrowing all your money from one place or not. (laughs) You know what I mean?
0: It's that skin in the game thing. So you're actually, you are using some of your own resources, but you're able to borrow some.
1: Well, I was thinking more like diversifying your portfolio, diversifying the risk that the lender is looking at. There's multiple sources of. For sure. But you do have to still repay that debt. So it needs to be serviced. We need to consider that repayment Mm -hmm. on that debt when we're qualifying you for the mortgage. So potentially that could reduce how much mortgage you're able to pay. And the
2: same goes for using, in a traditional source, using equity from a different property to purchase. Mm-hmm. We have to debt service that mortgage or home equity line of credit that you take out. So again, that could then reduce the amount of mortgage you qualify for.
0: Exactly.
1: Okay. So let's let's climb out of that rabbit hole and <laughs> maybe climb down a different one. Let's talk about verifying down payment. So how do we- Hang on show- a sec.
0: Can I just tell you that I have the money?
1: How do we show the, I'm going to ignore that question. <laughs> Peter,
0: you, Peter, Peter.
2: <laughs> Can't I just say that I promise I'm going to yes. make my mortgage payments.
0: I've got you it. Guys, it's all good.
1: We need so many documents. <laughs> Documents. We need documents. We need to be able to show the lender that you have the money. We don't need the money. We don't have trust accounts and whatever. We're not set up to actually move money from one place to another, but we do need to show that you have it. So typically if you're giving a down payment, like just from your savings account, we would need to see that that money has been in that account for at least 90 days.
2: Yes. And documents showing your down payment ownership have to have name account number. It needs to stand alone. So if I were just to randomly pick up the document, I would know exactly which file it applied to and what it's showing.
0: Also, please don't do any redactions. So don't (laughs) black marker over any parts. Lenders will want to see the entire document.
1: And a lot of people do that. And it seems like a a reasonable thing to do. Like we're, we're keeping some things private. Absolutely. But it looks a little shady to lenders.
2: No Sharpies, please. No Sharpies. And I promise you, we are not Flipping through this and looking at how many times you go to Starbucks, you're nope. not. Don't get mad at us. We need these documents. The lender needs these documents,
0: and the lender doesn't care.
2: No, they don't. We're we're not. We're just looking at the information that we need to see. Exactly. So we're
1: so we're talking about one bank account. So what happens when people's People have down payments saved in multiple places. So I've got a client right now who has some money coming from the sale proceeds, some money coming from a tax free savings account, some money coming from a gift from their parents. So all these different sources. Can we talk about the the additional documentation required when there's multiple Mm -hmm. sources?
0: The same idea.
2: Yeah. Each source of down payment will require the specific documentation. So just going back to the bank account thing, if you have multiple bank accounts feeding into your down payment, you know, and by bank account, I mean, RSP, TFSA, savings, whatever, for every single account that the down payment is coming from, we need to see that 90 day history.
1: It gets even more fun when we have someone moving in from out of the country. I remember one file was years ago, guy was moving from Australia, and he sold a couple properties in Australia, put his money in about four or five different accounts, and then funneled that money through two, I think two different currency converters to get the money into his Canadian accounts. It was a short timeline, so I mean, and at that time we relied less on our computers and more on paper and highlighters. And so my desk was just covered (laughs) in documents going, okay, well he moved this one here and that one there. I felt a lot like I was a detective. That was me. It's maybe kind of a fun part of this job, but it is time consuming trying to figure out where all the parts and pieces. So the point is one source <laughs> from the down payment is easier.
0: What you're trying to get at Sue is that keep it simple. The yeah. simpler this process is, or the simpler the accounts are, or hopefully the count is, then the better and easier it is for us to verify the fewer documents we have to collect.
2: I was just going to say one of the mistakes that I see made is that if you have party A and party B buying a house together, quite often they'll open up a separate account and then each funnel money into that account and use that for their down payment. But again, that's just one extra mm-hmm. account to show. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest if you're thinking of buying a home, keep your money where it is. Don't move it. Just wait. And then once we've approved the down payment and everything is fine, then you can think about you know adding an extra account.
1: Pete mentioned verifying the deposits. And I want to talk a little bit about that because when you're moving money between accounts, the larger the deposit, the the more likely it is going to be that we're going to need to verify where the deposit came from. So for instance, if you you deposit $5,000 into your account, you know, one week before the down payment is due, we're going to want to see where that $5,000 came from. You may be wondering why, why is it that we need to actually verify all of these money, all of these monies? Is that that the sentence? Monies (laughs) is a word. (laughs) (laughs) All of these things, these things, you know what I mean?
0: (laughs) I've got the sillies.
1: There is, I'm doing my broker relicensing registration right now. And so I'm just like fresh out of some of these relicensing courses. And one of them was on anti-money laundering, where we want to make sure that the money being given for shown for your down payment is not coming from anything that could have been tied to crime. We're not calling you a criminal, (laughs) but it's a relevant piece in our industry to be looking and keeping an eye out for these red flags that could indicate money laundering practices. And
2: I did have one where there was deposits of eight, 10 and $12,000 over the course of the 90 day history for a student at university who said it was for tutoring and house cleaning, (laughs) couldn't provide me with any sort of backup. So in that case, you kind of, your spidey senses are like, Something's not right here. You know, <laughs>
1: this is where we need to trust our gut as brokers. But we have seen some really unique scenarios that are valid, right? Like, mm. if you can explain it, it's valid. I had a guy sell a collection of magic cards and he's magic cards? magic cards. They're like, this is like Dungeons and Dragons magic. There's like an underground community. He sold these cards to a store for $35,000. Wow. And <laughs> I contacted the store that bought them. We got the invoices. We got the, like everything was above board. I found a lender that actually accepted it with the explanation and all the documents. So if we provide legit documents, it it worked. Mm -hmm. $35,000 of this down payment came from selling magic cards.
2: And we've seen sales of litters of puppies, you know, and you just provide the receipts and it's fine. It's You know, it's not something people are doing every day, but it's a legit source of income. I have a file now that the fellow (laughs) just doesn't believe in bank accounts. So how do you provide a 90-day history? Well, he sold his house and he didn't want to keep it in his bank account, which he doesn't have. So he kept it in his lawyer's trust account. (laughs) So there you go. You know, not not the smart move because obviously he's not earning any interest income on that money, but it was in the lawyer's trust account. It's legit. And you can
1: provide documentation to verify it. Yeah.
2: Mm Another fun one was a 50-50 win at the World Juniors. I was in the middle of a mortgage application. All of a sudden, I got a call from this client saying, don't think I need the mortgage anymore. I just want a million dollars. So. <laughs> uh, okay. Can you guess- imagine? <laughs> oh, my <laughs>
1: gosh.
2: Wow. Like- best news ever. So I guess in that case, it's not so much the down payment, but (laughs) if say she had won, you know, $50,000, then we would just have to show that she was the winner of that money and we would be good to go. I just wanted to
1: comment on that lottery win. I mean, depending on their investment strategy or how they wanted to diversify their portfolio of money, they may still have wanted a mortgage because it was still cheap enough maybe at that. It's not cheap right now, but There was a time when getting a mortgage makes sense in some cases.
2: Yes. So at the end of the day, when you're looking at getting a mortgage, the big question always is how much do I qualify for? Yes, we look at income versus liabilities, but we also look at how much of a down payment do you have and where is it coming from? It is likely one of the largest barriers to getting into the real estate market because as Pete said you know, it's not a banana. You, you, <laughs> you got to borrow money to get, to get into the real estate market.
1: <laughs> and so earlier I mentioned our previous episode where we talked about saving for a down payment. That is episode 26, uh, where we interviewed a financial advisor and talked about some different strategies on saving for a down payment.
0: Check it out.
2: Check it out. Doo, 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 doo. Bow, bow. Bow. this is the mortgage life
0: we look forward to continuing the conversation
2: so come back and listen